wanted to talk about this. This. This is a collective book called Décolonisons les Arts, uh, co-edited by Françoise uh, with other people. Um, and it is the result, um, it is the, the, the work of a, an organization called Décoloniser les Arts, Decolonizing the Arts in, in France. Um, I would like you to talk a little bit about it and about what what role might I, art have in the overall project of decolonization or liberation? Uh, why? I mean, you know, in in the interviews with Césaire, he says a few times, you know, he's he's interesting because he's, you know, as I said earlier, he's a poet and he's a statesman. He says probably it's in my poems and maybe in my most obscure poems that I can that I find myself that I really am truly. But at the same time, when you ask him the question about, I mean, this is the, the common status of Réunion and Martinique and Guadeloupe and Guyane, which are these, in 1946, they became French departments, basically. And Césaire happened to be the guy who, uh, what is it, he was the rapporteur. He, he introduced, he defended this law because I guess, theoretically, there would have been several options, right? That these colonies would become, would ask for their total independence or this or that what happened is that they kind of integrated themselves into the Republic of France the positive effect of which was that at least in theory their citizens became French citizens and acquired the rights of French citizenship as opposed to you know being colonized but you know for some people this was you know a either not enough or a defeat or a, or, you know, a cap capitulation or something like that. And you ask him about this and he says, yes, of course, I understand, but he says somewhere something like, um, I forget, I wrote the, the page. He says, in French he says, mon peuple est là, il crie, il a besoin de paix, de nourriture, de vêtements, etc. Est-ce que je vais faire de la philosophie? Non. So it's like, I'm not going to, of course, I agree, this is not enough, but there was an emergency, right? Um, I was the committee spokesman. spokesman. I was thinking, here are my people, they're clamoring for peace, food, clothes, etc. What purpose does a philosophical debate serve? Which is, you know, it's a question. <laughs> but at the same time, then a few lines later, he says, well, poetry is where I am. So it's kind of this... Um, so not, not I'm not asking you to comment on Césaire, but more on the work you have been doing for years in terms, and we can get into details, but just the general, where did this Décoloniser les Arts organizing come from? What does it do? Um, maybe a few examples of projects and their significance. I noticed the importance of culture and the art in the anti-colonial moment. I mean, the post-colonial, anti-colonial, because this was... And we do know that any movement of liberation understood the power of photography, cinema, representation. I mean, you know, we know that in Guinea-Bissau, Amilcar Cabral brought filmmakers to film the guerrilla. So this idea, that, and so that was during the struggle, and in any program of national liberation, you have an entire chapter about art. And culture, and of course, in Fano, you have the famous chapter on national culture. So that 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 concern has always been part 
of any revolutionary movement. I mean, we could talk about the feminist movement also. I mean, there is something, an understanding that arts are not just neutral, something over there, but are part of the liberation. Uh, a new way of uh, show of um, uh, of visualizing, uh, uh, narrating something, uh, music, for instance, the importance of music uh, in also uh, as that go accompany, you know, liberation moment, uh, you know, um, has been extremely important. So I grew up with that. I grew up with that, and in Réunion you have this uh, music Maloya, which come from uh, the enslaved. And uh, and when I grew up, uh, you had to go in in at night in the sugarcane field to hear it perform, and it was performed, you know, only you know if, among black people, a descendant of Malagashi, and uh, and uh, what is today Mozambique. And this was absolutely it was. You, not forbidden by the law, but forbidden in, in term. Absolutely, a, a lot of content for this music was a music of, you know, barbarian. And, and, and so the importance of why this, it, it was part of my education. And so the importance of, of artistic creation connected with resistance, but also connected with a project of emancipation. So that's that's for me. It's already you know the the, and when I was when I live in Alger, uh, the cinematic was still very important, mm -hmm. and you know you got all your cinema education there, and uh, um, and I I got it also already in Réunion because my mother loved uh, films and took me everywhere, but in Alger it was you know you got all everyone from what was called the third world then. And and the, you had conference, and you know it was, it was incredible. It was like being at school, you know, but better than school, even be, better than film school. So this importance has always been with me. Uh, when I was I was very young when I was, but I I saw a play by Katabiasin, you know. So for me it was all this also. How do you say thing? How, diff, you know, that that part. So that's that my background, which is not necessarily the background of these other people in that. Then in 2015, a, a friend of us was uh, um, sexually harassed uh, and in a racist way, uh, she's a playwright, by a, a playwright, a, a theater, a man in French theater, very important, you know, one of these icons. And she she was totally uh, destroyed by that, and she told us, I mean, to Gertie Dambure and myself. And uh, Gertie said, what can we do? And I said, I don't want to make it a personal story. You know, like, we're going to have a petition defending her. I want to talk about the fact that racism exists in the art world, and it's hidden because the art world is always seen as progressive and subversive, which it is also partly true. So how this image of uh, subversion, uh, you know, mask the racism, that structure they are. So we wrote a manifesto, it was signed by 5,000 per person in two days, we, we could not, so it has an echo, incredible echo, people, a lot of women say, that happened to me. So it started like that and we say, okay, we should do something more. And this idea of then having an association and call it decolonizing the art came from that. Mm -hmm. And the first thing was effectively to show that most 
cultural institution, artistic institution in France are led by white men and you get white people everywhere. And then if you are black or Arab, if you got a role in cinema, TV, or theater, you're gonna be the maid, the drug dealer, the drug addict, I mean, we know the, the, all the things, and you will never get, uh, you will never play Fedra or, or whatever, you know, all the, well. even last, last year, two years ago, there was, uh, they were uh, planning to play Othello at Odeon, so Odeon, Othello, and they found a white man to play Othello. So there was a, such a protest that they had to cancel the play. We say, no, there is one play in the old European classic <laughs> tradition, one, and you find, and you still don't, cannot find it. That's not possible, you know? So the play, in fact, was not, in, it was, it was canceled. So we started by that, but then for me, it was not just that, because we know that it's not by changing the direction that you're gonna change deeply the structure. And we have had, people from our group, if we can say, that have been at the head of things, and sometimes they've been worse, because they want to, to be so much accepted. So we went more through, what do we mean by decoloniser les arts? What does that mean, decolonizing the art? What does really that mean, besides, you know, saying it? Mm -hmm. uh, what do we mean by that? Um, so we say narration, vision, you know, but okay, fine, but how? So it's more and more that process of trying to find how you decolonize yourself to begin with, you know, the, to take away all what we have in our mind uh, that has been polluted by that, and then the collectively, white yeah, the white mask, and then collectively. So it's more experimental now. It's going toward that, uh, trying to what will be decolonial crea creation. So, and because the strength, I mean, the, there are two pitfalls we notice. First, it's a constant uh, denunciation of what is, and that can be endless, because this institution also raises that you, every day you can have an example. But then you are stuck with that, and, uh, and you don't work. That uh, one, one, uh, one uh, problem. And the second one also uh, that we see in France is that some of the institutions have understood that it's time to open the door for what they call diversity. It's, it, you know, they, so what do we do with that? What do we do with the fact that more, much more than five, six years ago? Or, you know, you will have show one table um, in, in, in art. And so what do we do with that? Do, do we say, oh, finally, you know, it's good. It's, uh, or um, do we see it also as pacification, assimilation, integration, and that on the one hand is good, but on the other hand it does not change so much the structure. And um, because for me, the, the, for instance, the art of the gallery is not just what has been shown, is all the old structure, whose work, who are, who are in, you know, who are the employees, who is working in the administrative staff, uh, do you have, say, who is uh, only, why only black men guarding the place? Why, who are the cleaning people? Are they just, you know, uh, 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 women of color? So what is the structure that always appear as a nice things? And so we uh, concrete things very quickly. For instance, the, the black model, which was the extension of the uh, show that had been um, 
at Colombia, mm -hmm. the art gallery in Colombia was called Posing for Modernity, I think. Posing Modernity. Posing Modernity. Mm -hmm. And the Denise Murel, no? Yes. Okay. She was the curator. Yes. And this was in Paris. Okay. And this was like, okay, now it's revolution. Uh -huh. It's a revolution. So we went to see it and to see, okay, what is revolutionary? And we were very critical of it, very, very critical of the show. So that's also, we, and in which way, but we did it seriously. We went three times. <laughs> we, I read the catalog from, I read the US catalog, I read the French catalog to see, and, and to understand, and to understand why it had such success. It, wa it was very successful. Can you say more? They, well, they, you know, they play. At first, they bring in black people to write in the catalog. That's very important. They understand you cannot have just white people anymore. Um, they bring also contemporary artists, but they were only US black artists. Like, not apparently in France, you don't have black artists. Um, that, so, but it was presented as finally. This is, I had two problems with it. The first, that when you enter the uh, show, it was all about slavery, French slavery and French abolition. So again, the representation of blackness started with slavery. And why, you know, already that was a problem. Because on top of it, you do have representation uh, in 17th, 16th century, Portuguese painting and Italian painting, where you don't see enslaved. You see uh, African as ambassador, musician, and so on, 15, 16. So that was the first thing. So why it started like that? There was already like a message to that. Uh, the first huge painting was the, the painting of abolition of slavery in 1848 by Jean-François Biard, and it's uh, uh, all the black people are on their knees like that, and you have the white man arriving with the black flag behind him. He's bestowing freedom. He bestowing freedom, okay. So, we, we had to be, you know, we had to calm down because we wanted to uh, attack the painting. <laughs> and then the, the things also that they had given name to the black people on, on some painting. That was a huge argument, that's a selling argument. There was a painting that was called Portrait d'une Negresse, then transformed in Portrait du Noir, and now it's called Madeleine because they found her name. And this was presented as finally a reparation. And so finally France was coming to terms with its story of slavery and colonialism by recognizing this woman who was called Madeleine. And I was totally enraged, I have to say. The, this woman was brought in France by her owners from Guadeloupe, after 1794, that is Guadeloupe, the slavery has been abolished. Why is she still a slave? Because uh, Guadeloupe was the only island with Guyana where the first abolition was applied. So I, I gather that because a lot of uh, uh, slave owners came to the state to, f to find refuge from the abolition of slavery in Guadeloupe and then from there to, to France. And I so first, she was free. She should have been free. If she's come from Guadeloupe, she should have been free. So why is she still an enslaved? Because we are not yet in 1802, right? We are in this two moment. Then you say she's, her name is Madeleine. This is not a name, huh? One, it's a first name. So you don't say it's a name. And then, is it the name that her mother gave her? 
Or is it the, the name that her owner gave her? Is this a name by which she was known by her friend around? Because you, we know and slave had name among themselves and the owner was calling them whatever. So you should not say that. You, just, you should say we found in the register, you know, of Anne Slave arriving in France, that name. But then you tell the story of naming under slavery and the very uh, problematic uh, process of naming. And the fact that then the enslaved, when they were free, they were given name again. And that's what you find. I mean, we know in the state then people trying to get a new name or uh, in Brazil also. A, a little in Guadeloupe and Martinique, it happened for a little while, but no longer. But so the, you, you can, the, this way of presenting the argument of liberty, you know, like reparation, was again, for me, uh, based on a lie, on, on again a new lie. So, and then on top of it, there was not, there were two models, real model in terms of model. Otherwise, it was just painting where you saw black people. And I don't see why they were modern. I mean, and the, some of them were painting in which you saw a missionary and the black people on their knees kissing his, his hand. But you don't put that in something, you know? It's like everything and anything. As soon as you had a black person on painting, okay, that's a black model. No, you don't do that. You don't do that. But it was very supported by the media, very supported by the, by the institution, academic institution. Um, very, very. And, and so we were seen as spoiling the party. You know, we, we're never happy. You know, we, I finally, we, you have that and you still you know not happy so we were yeah we, yeah we were like you know like and uh, nothing we can do with these people you know <laughs> Never be happy. maybe just to finish on this line of uh thinking you could or as a counterpoint you could say something about the project you did at the louvre mm. l'esclave au louvre yeah, I mean, the first time was when uh, Okrian Vezor was the curator for the Paris Triennale in 2012. And he asked me what I wanted to do. And at the time, I was at the head of the Committee for the Memory and History of Slavery, which was established following the law in 2001 recognizing slave trade and slavery crime against humanity. And that law uh, demanded that a committee uh, be, be named. And our task was to, uh, to see what should be done in education, in culture, the arts, and research. And our first report in 2005 was like, there is nothing. Everything is to be done. You know, we, we, we look at everything in art, education, research, nothing. So we, we push for that. But my point, to go back to your question, when I was presenting the, the story of slavery, a lot of the French were telling me, our ancestors were neither slave owner or slave trader. So it's a sad story, but we have nothing to do with that. And so it came, you know, for me, it was, how do I tell them, yes, it concerns you. And so when Okwe said that to me, I had thought about Le Louvre, and Le Louvre is also perfect for many things, but also the collection started in 1793, which is the first abolition of slavery in a colony in Saint-Domingue, following the beginning of the revolution. 
and it turned in 1848 after he's had the Musée d'Orsay. So it's two date, 1848 being the final abolition of slavery in the French colony, to date very important in the history Maybe of slavery. So I, when I went, and so that was the first thing, so I thought it was very interesting. And as you know, the Louvre was open as a gesture of reparation to the people, right? We take everything from an aristocrat and for the church. We don't compensate them because, in fact, they got that on the back of the people. So it was an interesting hmm. musée. It was a musée citoyen. It has become totally elitist. But so I thought that was interesting. And then, of course, it's to date. And then for me, it was how I'm going to show to the French that all of them are concerned with this story, and it was through consumption. So it was to find in Le Louvre when do you have the first painting in which you will see a teapot, a sugar bowl, a coffee pot, a, a man smoking a pipe. A different, I mean, the project of slavery entering the representation of the self in ways that it has become normal. It has become not only normal, but part of the culture, part of the representation, the visual representation of the self. And uh, the first painting of men smoking pipe, bourgeois, to the representation of masculinity, at the end of 17th century. Even though you start to have tobacco in Europe before, but it has not really, so for me it was the connection when all this project of slavery entered the social and cultural norm of representation and connected also a lot with masculinity in Europe for whatever reason, tobacco was connected with masculinity. So a lot of representation of bourgeois, but really bourgeois smoking a pipe. So the, the representation of the masculine self. And then you have some, it, this is Dutch painting. You have also some representation of in the cafe people smoking. But also you could in the painting so uh, China bowl and connected with, you know, uh, full of sugar, so the connection with Asia and also the sugar plantation, because you have very little representation of plantation mm. in the painting, in, in classical painting, and of, of black people, very few. Mm. This came with uh, British abolitionism, uh, so quite late. Uh, so that was to say, your ancestor did not own slaves, did not trade and slave, but they smoked tobacco, they drank coffee, they put sugar in their coffee, they wore cotton, so yeah, they were benefiting from that. And so that was through art, through painting Le Louvre, to show that also, the third thing also for me was, oh, the fourth one, I don't know, that you don't need a literal representation of something to show something. You were not looking for representations of black people in paintings in the Louvre, but rather you were looking through the maybe the silences of that representation or the absence of that representation into the the the, the symptoms. I mean, the the the, the signs of um, slavery or the products of slavery or the benefits of slavery seeping into yeah. social life. Yeah. I call it also at one point the taste of slavery through the taste, the taste, and also the taste in painting. I mean the 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 question, and and then you have the representation of young black, that 18th century, that always near a white woman, and they were taken first to also to uh, the contrast, so the white 
will be more white. The whiteness of the white woman will be even more shown because she had a little black boy, mostly boy, beside her. But what is interesting even in this painting is like what I was showing is that all the painting, the black person never look, uh, I mean the white person look at you, <laughs> she's painted as a person. The black person is always represented looking at the white person because she exists only through that. She is not an autonomous person looking at you. And uh, so, seven, 15th, 16th century, they look at you in the portrait of ambassador. With the slave trade and so on, they look like that, they look through. With the revolution, they start to look again facing. So there is, a, I, mean, most, I mean, if you look at all this painting, most of them, they will never look. The, the representation of the portrait, which was the portrait, looking at, you know, it's always the eye, you know, even if the person is like that, he or she is looking like that, the black person will, will never look at you. So it's part also of the representation of not being, uh, being secondary, you know, existing through. So this was also the kind of what I was showing. Um, so that, that to say this is, a, in fact, it's, it's there. It's under, it's, it's under our eyes. If we look at it, it's there. Uh, so um, it, it's there in Le Louvre. The slave is in Le Louvre, but it's an invisible humanity, as I say. But this invisible humanity we can show nonetheless, you know, through that. And, uh, and 18th century is the beginning in art of the also separation between consumption and what we used to call production. That, uh, that you, you see the product of consumption is really, it's incredible the painting, especially still lives. Uh, you have a lot of uh, sugar, it's because sugar was beautifully made and um, so was part of really of, of the still life, you know, quite often. And the tobacco pipe, pipe everywhere, really, tobacco pouch. And you see that also in the decorative art, representation in, in the dish or whatever of plantation. <laughs> <laughs>